Coming up this week, off screen. We set the sat-nav for 10 Cloverfield Lane. Bill Murray rocks the Casbah. Tom Hiddleston moves into a high-rise. Horror gets martyred. And Josie Fiennes hunts the Risen. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. Evermore. Mm. So, uh, should we start this week? Should we start with the big mystery project the of the week? The big mystery, yeah. This kind of landed on us, was it January? This was January. Yeah. The, the trailer was attached to uh, the front of 13 Hours Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. The film that everybody wanted to watch this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and everyone was surprised. We knew nothing of this film. There is a trailer. It stars John Goodman. It stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. And, and it's got J.J. Abrams' name on it. No one knew anything about it. And now here we are. 10 Cloverfield Lane is upon us. And, well, the title suggests, obviously, that it is connected to Cloverfield. It has been called a semi-sequel. It is something a little bit cleverer than that in one sense. You don't, there's, there's a serious spoiler territory into which we don't want to go with this. So I'm just going to go with the plot synopsis, which is... You have Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character mm. who has a, an argument with her boyfriend, which is a verbal cameo by uh, Bradley Cooper, of all people. Yeah, strange. Yeah, weird yeah. one. Uh, she gets into a car accident whilst driving uh, through the middle of nowhere late at night, and she awakens in a bunker in this sort of bomb shelter and she finds herself alone with two strangers one's John Gallagher Jr the other is uh, John Goodman and she is told there has been an attack it is not safe to go outside the fallout from the attack is going to mean is going to make the world uninhabitable for a little while you have to stay in here but as she uh, as, as she whiles away the days as she plays her board games as she does the jigsaws <laughs> she begins to sense something may not quite be right in the bunker, and perhaps she may or may not have been lied to. Which is it? Is it safe outside? Has there been an attack? Is she safe in the company of her two companions? We just don't know. We have a clip. It's a very, very tense film. This is like a masterclass in small-scale sci-fi horror mm. suspense. You do not know where this is going, and I think I don't think it's because of the level of secrecy surrounding it. I think it's just it's, it's a mysterious project in its actual creation. Watching the film is effectively like watching a three-hander stage play, with minor influence from the outside. It is just this masterpiece of absolute, <laughs> unadulterated, thrilling suspense. But it's all so it's, it's all character driven, really. I mean, so it's all who's like who's lying to who, who's telling the truth. You never quite know. And the, the reason it works as well as it does is John Goodman. And what they've cleverly done by casting John Goodman is to turn to the audience and say, "We know that you love John Goodman." It is impossible not to like. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's Everyone so likes he's him. so lovable and endearing. Yeah. The, the, it, 
you you don't know. You hang on. Is is there more to him? Yeah. And I'm just being blinded by the fact that I find John Goodman so charming. Is he, is he John Goodman or John Badman? Yeah, exactly. Is he yeah. John Goodman or is he John Badman? But he's still John Goodman regardless. And the yeah. fact that he's John Goodman clouds your judgment. You find yourself questioning your own opinion of John Goodman, and that's brilliant. <laughs> it's meta. It's 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 sort of meta casting. Mm. That's what it is. They have brilliantly played the typecasting card for everything it's worth. But it works. It works really well. And it's genius. Mm. You have no idea where the story could go, where any of the characters can go. Having said that, it does fall slightly to pieces when it gets to it, its ultimate reveal. It's somewhat underwhelming. <laughs> even, even though it's not actually underwhelming, you do feel... I, I, I don't know what you could have done that would have appeased me, but is, I, is that because you're so kind of hooked in by the first, say, seventy minutes or so? I think. Wait, well, say it's about hundred and I think it's hundred and ten minutes. I think it's hundred, okay. hundred, hundred and ten yeah. minutes. About ninety solid minutes of it is is the three hand stage, but and then you've got the reveal, the reveal and and the, the we stuff. we now have to give you the answer. And I I loved it. I thought uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who's directed this, is relative unknown. He did that yeah. uh, that that portal short. A year or so oh, ago, yeah, the, of course, the, the yeah. Portal video game had a short yeah. film made about and it. And might be made into a full feature. Might be made because J.J. Yeah. Abrams owns the rights now. So that and Half Life. That and Half Life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's it. And he's what he's done here is he's managed to he's brought real flair to this. He uses the limited space very constructively. Mm. That sense of claustrophobia is ever present throughout. And boy, do you feel it. <laughs> and you, you want you want to break out of this bunker as much as Mary Elizabeth Winstead might. Mm. But that's the thing because. Because John Goodman's so good in it, uh, you can't help but feel that the other two cast members, John Gallagher Jr. and Mary Elizabeth Wizard, are kind of overshadowed and... Really, particularly in the case of of John Gallagher Jr., you do think, like, this kind of could have been anyone. Like, I feel like as long as John Goodman was there, you could have literally inserted any two cast members Mm. at the side of him, and that would have worked. I mean, if it had been Miles Teller, he would almost have been tolerable. But... uh, (laughs) Ding! There is our, there is there is the, our weekly Miles Teller bashing. There's our weekly right? Miles Teller bashing. You know what? He earned it, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, right. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> but the film was good. The film is great. It's going to... I mean, if you're a fan of Cloverfield in general, which I'm not, so I, I'm not a Cloverfield fan. I only saw it for the first time last week, like I said to you prior to the show, and uh, I, I did enjoy it. I did like it, but... I didn't know T.J. Mm. Miller was the cameraman until he told me. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not a fan of Cloverfield, but I know it has a huge fan He's base. Got and they are going to be lining up you know, to see this. And I don't think they'll be disappointed. I think they may be disappointed that it's not more of the same, though. Yeah. And that it doesn't really wander into the same arena, so to speak. But I think for a $5 million secretly <laughs> developed uh, three-hand stage play in a bunker, I think it's pretty damn good. And I really, really am impressed by Dan Trachtenberg with it. Cool. Uh, it's also, do you know who one of the writers is on this? Yeah, no, I do. Uh, Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle, the yeah, three writer. Damien Chazelle, writer, oh, director yeah. of Whiplash, is one of the writers on this. Mm. And you think, oh, okay, that kind of works. You can see that. I, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Uh, Bear McCreary as well puts a really uh, interesting spin yeah. on the score. Uh, Bear oh, McCreary right. generally does TV shows, I think. Mm. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is one of his. Okay. But cool. he really interesting score to this mm. one. So there's some interesting film news this week we should cover as well. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about the Christoph Waltz thing. Have you heard about this? 
Uh, is this one of his new projects? He's always got about five things going on. Oh, well, the, the, it is one of his new projects. Is, and it, this... is it the Alexander Payne? It is the Alexander yeah, Payne oh, one, man, yeah. Oh, man, this cast. Right, so this is called Downsizing. <laughs> yep. Right, this is going to be Alexander Payne's uh, latest film. Alexander Payne, who brought us Nebraska and uh, the, Election. The Descendants. And The Descendants. Yeah. And The Descendants, which has my favourite moment ever in a film, which is George Clooney simply saying, I'm going to hit you now. Oh, and yeah. punches him in the face. <laughs> um, so Alexander Payne has cast Christoph Waltz to join this film, Downsizing, which already stars Matt Damon and Reese Witherspoon. Mm. And this is going to be a sort of dramedy mm. about a world in which you can be medically downsized, medically shrunk, medically reduced in size, <laughs> in order to go and live in a new series of communities for little people. And sounds fantastic. <laughs> this sounds just deranged, and only yeah. Alexander Payne could, could do it, I think. Yeah, but this is the first time he's done this kind of weird, almost sci-fi genre work. No, I agree. And uh, so, no, uh, Robbie and Stephen Amell, we got their work as well. Um, you, you're aware of the of the, the Amels, I presume. <laughs> um, yes. You're aware I've, of the I've, I've binged Flash and Arrow. You've binged so, yes. Flash, you've binged Arrow. Okay, yep. so Robbie Amell obviously is in Flash, he's Firestorm. Stephen yep. Amell, his cousin, is the main character in Arrow, he's Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. Yep. They are doing a project together. It's going to be their first oh, cool. big screen theatrical project. Mm. Again, developed more or less in secret. <laughs> because this is... That's, this must be you of a secret film. That's, this is that's the thing, sure yeah. Is, yeah. It's today's super secret word. Yay! <laughs> if you know the uh, the Pee Wee Herman reference there, which you should ahead of the Netflix film this oh, week. Yeah. Is, it, is it this week when it comes it's out? It's Saturday, I believe. It's Friday or Saturday. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Produced by Judd Apatow. It's mm. Netflix this week. That's, that's like some bonus news. It is really. bonus news, but I won't be caring because I'll be too busy watching Dead Old Season 2. Punish your time, baby. Yes. Uh. Right. Okay, so Robbie and Stephen Amell have this secret project. It's called Code 8. Mm. It also stars Chad Donella and Sung Kang from uh, the Fast and Furious series. Uh, of course, yeah. Han Sol O, oh, as yeah. his name is. I love that that is that character's name. Sol, like the capital of South yeah, Korea. Yeah, and then O. Oh. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Code 8, which is set in a dystopian future in which I think it's something like 4% of the human race have powers and abilities, and they police the rest of the human race. And this sounds really interesting. Like, Mm. There's a trailer out there, looks very gritty, very tense. I'm I'm intrigued. But also, the Amels are taking it to the big screen, so we'll see what what comes of that. They they did appear in in Flash together last year, didn't they? Yes, they did. They did, appeared at the very end. To, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. because apparently a man who could run faster than you know the blink of an eye needs a man with some fire and a bow but, and arrow. But he's he's brooding. He's, he's he's moody and brooding. Who who the the Flash or the, the Green Arrow? Oh, Green Arrow. Oh, Green Arrow. Green Arrow is all about a brood. Yeah. Anyway, so are we, <laughs> all about a brood. All about the brood. So let's plug the uh, podcast edition oh, because yes. we never have time to fit everything we want to into the show. As, and not. we do try. We do try. We, do, we, do. We, we try the Alexander Payne downsizing technique. Doesn't always work. So if you want to uh, get the full spread, as it were, more than the radio edition, go on to onscreenfilm.com or iTunes or Acast or TuneIn Radio or Stitcher or Downcast oh, Stitcher. or Stitcher is. Actually, that's actually a podcast wow. app, and you can freely download the podcast edition, skip to the end credits, and then all the extra stuff, including your weekly moment of cage. They're all after the end credits. Uh, we have also got competitions to plug as well. I say competitions, competition. Hey. We have, uh, we have <laughs> singular, <laughs> singular, singular. We have uh, copies of the new Bruce Willis, Kellen Lutz action movie, Extraction. We are giving that away on DVD. Go to onscreenfilm.com, go into our competition section, and enter, win some swag with the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. 
And we're back. So we should uh, we should uh, get to the box office top ten for the week. Yeah, let's do and it. get that uh, get out of the way. Let's yeah. let's let's begin the top ten then. Number ten. Anomalisa. Anomalisa. I'm sad to see this went in so low, but I'm I'm not uh, I'm not terribly surprised. Neither it's going to be a real divisive <laughs> one, I think. Yeah. Although you know, wait till we get to high rise for for divisive. Um, I like the animated style. I like the storytelling. I like the performances at the core of it. Mm. I do think though it's it's going it, it's offbeat nature I think is perhaps too offbeat in the way that Charlie Kaufman always is when he crafts these films too offbeat to really win over anything resembling a mainstream audience I think it's his most accessible film since Adaptation however Um, it's my second favourite sorry after Adaptation but it is his most accessible for some time I was won over by it, but I accept I may be in a minority on that one. Number nine. The Road Chip. The Road Chip. Hey, it's at number nine. It's, you know. it's going out. Th- there is a slight chance it could be at on oh, no, half terms next week. It's going to go back up the top ten yeah. next week. So, you know, The Road Chip is what it is. It is an animated sequel. It's Jason Lee's paycheck. Jason Lee's mortgage years, payment so, yeah, for the next it, couple yeah. of years. And it's it's some more high pitched songs, some more high pitched song covers. This time, Bruno Mars gets a look in. Um, that that's really it. I mean, you know what to expect if you've sat through the other three. This it's no better or worse, really. Although it's not anywhere near as bad as the Squeakle, which is a real franchise low point. But uh, I appreciate that's that's splitting hairs with this franchise. Number eight, How to Be Single. How to Be Single. Well, you won't get to learn for much longer because it seems to be on the way out of the. Uh, <laughs> this the actually top stuck 10. around longer than I thought, but it would. Yeah, nice. actually, you would have thought that it would have just sort of been an in and out kind of yeah. job it would have been like two weeks flash and then pan. yeah mm. flash in the pan and i the stuff in it that i really liked but the stuff i really liked uh were when it tried to do something different when it dared to defy convention when it pushed that r-rated envelope yeah. and when it really wanted to go a little bit white knuckle and play it by ear and and do something different but then you get into the sort of final half an hour of it and it's now we're going to sort of recoil everything dial back and here's the conventional and that, for me, was a real disappointment because there was a lot of fun otherwise to be had. Number seven. The Witch. Brand new entry. Yes. This is cool. I'm very happy. Do you know yeah. what? It's in there. It's in there. It, it, it's got its spot. Good, it's good, number good seven. for you. That's good for not you, bad. Yeah. I, I'm very happy for Robert Eggers that this is getting a look at. This is his debut. Thank God. Do you know what? What a great debut. Hmm. It's got that brilliant performance by Anya Taylor-Lord. It's got Ralph Einstein being as brilliant as Ralph Einstein can always be. It is a genuine vision to behold. It, again, not a high-rise vision, but there's a there's a vision there, and I appreciate it for what it was. It was sinister. It was skin-crawling. And it was edge of your seat, what the hell is going on here, sort of affair. And I really enjoyed it. I, I, I don't think I'll ever watch it a second time, because it's like The Revenant. Once is enough. Once is enough. Once is enough. Number six. I don't think you're going to be seeing this anytime soon either, Grimsby. I will never see Grimsby again. Ever, I don't think anybody should see Grimsby once, let alone. But how <laughs> much money? How much money has Grimsby actually made so far? Ugh. Grimsby's made this Just last half, weekend half a million, half a mil in yeah. its third weekend. How, for the love of God, has this made? No, this the the, the toilet flush. Sasha Baron Cohen being a character oh. he's created, although he hasn't. It's just Liam Gallagher with even fewer. Grimsby. Did you see the? I don't know who the film critic was who wrote the review blurb, which was uh, Oxford, Oxbridge educated, uh, privately school um, <laughs> brought up. Sasha Baron Cohen invites you to witness his latest creation: an unemployed man with seventeen kids. 
I didn't see that, but that, 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 that for me, that's fantastic. Up, and that does sum it up. It's not funny. It's not in any way well thought out or clever. It is lowest common denominator to the point where it is borderline comatose. Mm-hmm. He's so much better than this kind of... He, he really is. Kind of and it is a film that has significantly lowered my opinion of Sasha Baron Cohen. And I'm one of the people that will defend Bruno and, and Barrett. And I will defend mm. it because there is an intelligent wit behind it all. And this has none of that. So, let's have a look then. What's we switch some more film news real quick? Oh, yes, oh, we've got to talk about Dunkirk. We're not talking about Dunkirk yet. Yeah, that's found uh, a couple of possible leads. Hasn't well, it? it's got Fionn Whitehead, who's from some ITV show. In the meanwhile, I forget the title of some show. Basically, he's yeah. so unknown you can't find a picture of him online. I tried. It's it's like um, Daisy Ridley three years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this but this is this is only one bit of his casting. The other apparently mm. is one D star, Harry Styles. Yo. Harry, he's my favourite. Is Harry your favourite? Oh, I'm a Nile kind of guy. You're, you're Nile. I'm, I'm all about Nile, man. I'm all about Nile. I mean, although you know, it's never quite been the same since Zayn left. All I'm saying. Zayn anyway. was the worst, anyway. <laughs> we all know Zayn was let's, the worst. Let's stop fangirling. <laughs> so yeah, Harry Styles apparently yeah. has a role of Dunkirk, which is of course the next project from Christopher Nolan, which is going to get this shock. This is going to be shot on IMAX, and sure, IMAX and film. Like, no way! Okay, I've, heard, I've heard, but he's a fan. He's a fan of films. I, th- I think Nolan might have a thing for both film and IMAX. Do you, mm. do you, do you have this suspicion? Is it going to be in 3D? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do stereoscopic. So let's talk about Martyrs then, yeah. uh, which is a remake it's of a, a remake. 2008 film. It's by the Goats Brothers. And. <laughs> Sorry? I, I believe it's pronounced Goats. Goats Brothers. Yes. I'll never be able to say. No. Um, this is the story of a young girl who, a very young girl who escapes um, captivity. She's been imprisoned and tortured as a child. She's taken to an orphanage where she befriends another girl her own age. Years later, she tracks down her uh, her past abductors and enacts her own particular kind of brutal vengeance. But that's not really the end of the story. And there may be more than just a handful of perpetrators involved. Here's a clip. What's your name? Anna. What are you doing here, Anna? Where's Dr. Patterson? He's dead. His family? Did you kill them? You're in a lot of trouble, Anna. Did you kill them? No. Your friend? Who are you? What's her name? I called the police and they're on their way. Oh, my. I have checked. It is the Goats Brothers. G-O-E-T-Z. Goats. So, goats? Well, we'll call them goats. We'll call them goats. We are are the men who laugh at goats. (laughs) And laugh you shall, because, dear God, there is nothing to this one. Right, I'm not particularly familiar with the original. I am aware of it, I'm aware that it exists, and I have not seen it. I do, however, know the entirety of the plot, because it's something that people talk about a lot for some reason. And uh, this is nearly an exact remake. There are minor narrative changes that have been made, I had to look that up, because some of them are very strange. Like, why why would you change that bit and that bit? And certain events happen, but they happen in a weirdly different order that you can't help but feel mm. is like an obligatory, so that we can say we changed it, right. sort of a move. Yeah. The problem is, the films it's nothing to look at. It's not particularly atmospheric. It's not really imaginative, because it's a remake anyway. And... Aside from a pair of sort of stock 
teen girl in horror performances at the centre of it. There's not really anything terribly impressive about it. I mean, it, it's been two days since I saw it, and I've forgotten most of it, really. It, it, it's a very forgettable, uninteresting, and very dull affair. You do feel, having sat through the entirety of it, that you would have had a more enjoyable time shopping for carpets. And... You've ever been in a carpet shop and the, the rolls? And you look at the swatches and... as well. Yeah, yeah, like that to me. That that's the definition well, that's, that's of boredom. Just a fun, fun day out for everyone. Of course it is. Yeah. That, that for me is that that's like Guantanamo Bay to me, <laughs> and uh, and and I would rather be carpet shopping or indeed in Guantanamo Bay than than see this film again. It it, it just I was just filled with this sort of why why, why are we watching this kind of stuff. It was so bad, Alan Frank got in touch with me and said, it is the sort of film that will earn a Nobel Prize for the man who develops a way to fast forward a cinema screen. And never have truer words been spoken. I, I, I say, I wasn't engaged, I wasn't intrigued, I wasn't interested. I've never seen the original and I still thought this was a bad remake. That tells you an awful lot. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. You love that intro, don't you? So much. So much. So much. You can be my wingman case anytime. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about Rock the Casbah then. We, we keep talking about secret projects. Did anybody know this was a Barry Levinson film until. Yes. Yeah. Me. This, but, yeah. Well, you, you're, you're a complete I'm, nerd, though. That's, that's so, true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, so this is the latest from Barry Levinson. Um, this, this arrives. It's got the sort of 70s style rock poster with Bill Murray looking like a 70s style character. So you go into the film thinking it's set in the 70s. It's not. What you've basically got is Bill Murray as a sort of faded, failed, glory glory days along behind him, musical talent scout who is struggling to make ends meet. His office is is in what seems to be the same building as the Dallas Buyers Club Motel. And the film opens with him basically scamming like 150 bucks out of some girl who thinks she can sing but can't. His secretary, played by Zoe Deschanel, is an aspiring singer who's taken a job as his secretary. And he is uh, he is approached by a man who reps the talent for the USO show and asked if he will take Zoe Deschanel on a tour of Afghanistan as part of the USO movement for the troops. They go, and within a matter of hours, Zoe Deschanel has freaked out, fled the country, taken Bill Murray's passport and money with him, and, well, what follows then is a series of wacky escapades where Bill Murray, who's decided to have some fun for a change and ditch the sad clown routine this week, Bill Murray has to... Well, at first he's trying to find his way out of the country. Then he finds himself becoming this reluctant voice for change in Afghanistan. Here's a clip. The girl's gone. I got her out of here last night on a C-130 to Dubai. Why? She asked me to. Because she asked you to? Yes. That and the fact that she paid me $1,000. My $1,000? That's half my fee. She said you'd pay me the rest. <laughs> no and no. 1000 American. Now. I assume you'll take a personal check. I assume you will take a bullet to the foot. Yes, that is Bruce Willis, and the the dialogue is, I'm pretty sure they didn't give him a script, they just said, Bruce, just go in and be yourself. Yeah. And, but anyway, what, what happened to the days when Bruce Willis claimed he, he was worth a million dollars a day? Because if he did two days on this, there's no way in hell anybody paid him two million. I think it was when he decided to start doing stuff like extraction. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah. So what you've got is a film here that is too satirical to work as an out-and-out comedy. You know what I mean? It, it's kind yeah. of too steeped in the let's let's do the nudge-nudge-wink-wink thing. We're not natural comedy. But at the same time, it's too funny to be taken seriously. 
So that kind of raises the house lights kind of straight away on this one. And and that's a shame because there is this great rock powered, I mean like rock music powered, fish out of water story at the core of it, in which, and I say this again, and I can't say this often enough, Bill Murray is trying to be funny again. And like actually funny, not ironically funny, Bill Murray is trying to be funny again. And that's brilliant. I want that to happen more often. When was the last time he was genuinely super, super funny in a film? I think he tried to do it with St. Vincent. I think. You think? Now, yeah. this is say you can never tell with Bill Murray, and that's so that's kind of a problem. So this is loosely based on a true story of the first girl to go on effectively Afghanistan's version of the X Factor called Afghan Star, and she became a proponent for change in the region. And this this sort of factors into play in the, in the later uh, part of the story, where Bill Murray becomes the guy who's pushing her to go on Afghanistan and inadvertently change the social 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 political landscape of the Afghani region. And that's an interesting one. The problem is, the film itself keeps reminding you of better films. And the one that I keep coming back to is The Men Who Stare at Goats. It seems to have that as a template. Now, The Men Who Stare at Goats was a hilarious time. uh, There's then Three Kings as well. There's a little bit of Three Kings in there. With the Afghan star element, there's just a smidge of American dreams in there, which is a film I'd long since forgotten. And then, of course, you have Bill Murray at the centre, or who's doing the fish-out-of-water thing, but as Bill Murray... And it's all from the writer of A Very Merry Christmas, so it never really quite elicits the laughs that you want it to. I really just did not enjoy that. I didn't either, and no, and I really wanted that to be an all-star Bing Crosby Christmas thing with Bill Murray, but it yeah, wasn't, and that's not the case. let's not dwell on that. So, there's some fun in there, though. There is the, you know, predictably enough, a great rock music soundtrack. Um, <clears throat> entering Afghanistan to the sounds of Bawit Dabar by, by Kid Rock is one of my favourite visuals of the year. You then got a very fun supporting cast. I say Bruce Willis is kind of slumming it, but he's still having fun as Bruce Willis. You've got Kate Hudson, who's in full Goldie Horn mode, of all things. <laughs> like, you feel, you're looking at Bill Murray and yeah. Kate Hudson, and you think, I feel like if this had been made 20 years ago, it still could have been Bill Murray, but that That'd would have be, been Goldie Horn. Yeah, that would have been your mum 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And it does have, there's an edge to it that Kate Hudson doesn't usually bring. And I thought that was that was refreshing. You've got sort of extended cameos for uh, Danny McBride and Scott Kahn, and I do mean cameos at best. But other than that, it's it's just that it's tonally misjudged and it's uneven and it's inconsistent. And you want to laugh, but then you find yourself taking it seriously. But at the same time, it's it's not. Mm. Yeah, hmm. it, it's neither one thing nor the other, and that's a real problem for me. I mean, to to you to use the the title as a reference point, specifically clash related, I, and I, I was very proud of myself for this one. It's less combat rock and more cut the crap. Yeah, I, you, I, see, I get those references. You see what I did there? I'm a clash fan. Yeah, there we are. See, and and that's a problem. It's an up and down affair. It's not necessarily running it worth running out to catch, and and that's a shame because I I really wanted to like it. So I mean, having said that, I, I knew nothing about it going in. But should we uh, should we finish this week's box office top ten then? Yeah, why not? Number five. With the tattoo so simple. You love that, don't <laughs> I you? I love that so much. <laughs> so hail Caesar. Hail Caesar yeah. You were a fan of this as well. I oh yeah, big time. Yeah, this yeah. is you know, funny, loving sort of homage to old school Hollywood. Coen Brothers get to spread the legs. You've got the, the like year. mermaid 
Swimmers yeah, they get to stretch and, the legs yeah. with the, the classic Hollywood genres, don't they? Mm. Do you know, do the mermaid movies and do the westerns and do the singing, dancing, sapes, yeah. sailors, and, navy and, guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and funny. then, then of course you have would that it were so simple, which which gives you, <laughs> you know, it. and they even managed to stick a whopping Ben Hur reference in there yeah. and and take a shot at the communists as well. This mm. is everyone's having fun. It is twenty three short films about Springfield. It's an anthology ride. Yeah. There's there's nothing really more to it than that. It's not conventional, but it is fun. Number four. Hey, yeah, I want to shoot, baby. Shoot. There's so many musical cues in this half of the top <laughs> there, ten. There really are. This this half of the top ten is where it's all at. Yeah, so it's... is there anything left to say about how much we loved Deadpool? I don't know. I still think we're going to be talking about it for a few more weeks. It's, it's going to hang in there, I reckon. It is, and it's going to make more money over the holidays, I think, when the uh, when the GCC lot runs. I mean, at this point, it is made literally ten times its budget. It's 700 counting. million it's made as of. Over. It's over now, over. yeah. It's... Well, it's, it's fun, it's violent, it's witty, it's meta, it's, you know, yeah. aggressively funny. <laughs> I, 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 don't go and see it. We don't listen to us. Just, in fact, just turn just this off and go and see it. Number three. London has fallen. I, I double bill Deadpool and London's Fallen. Oh, that's, that's a that's fun a, afternoon. That's a good time. That is a it? really fun afternoon. You do Deadpool and London's Fallen. London has fallen, which is just aggressive, idiotic, and a lot of fun. Yeah. And wow. Go, and, go watch Deadpool, London has fallen, and then The Witch. The Witch. Yeah, yeah. It'd just be a really no, strange word. That would be, it'd be odd. I think The Witch would cut. You'd have to start the morning with The Witch, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Start with the morning, and then it just gets progressively more aggressive as the day goes on. But London's Fallen, well worth a watch. Number two. The Detergent Series. Absorbent? Absorbent. Absorbent. That's what we're calling it. So Divergent Legion <laughs> is Detergent Absorbent. And... <laughs> Well, the problem with it, it's better than one and two. It's not the overblown, fan-friendly director's cut the first one was. It's got Jeff Daniels. It's not the convoluted mess, that, the virtual reality-induced mess that the second one was, complete with robbing its female character of any sense of her own agency. However, it does manage to incorporate both those films into a slightly better narrative, all of which is hung together you know, off the weight of its older cast members like Jeff Daniels, Octavia Spencer and Naomi Watts, who are a lot more fun to watch than the younger ones, who get exactly naff all to do. And and that's a shame because I really like Shailene Woodley. Number one. Kung Fu Panda Free. <laughs> now I'd say I'm not I'm not really a huge fan of Kung Fu Panda, but I liked this. I thought this was this was yeah, a good romping time. Vivid, colourful, flashy, in your face, a lot of laughs in there. I thought it was it was touching in just the right way. I don't think it's quite as good as as uh, House Train Your Dragon Two, mm. also from DreamWorks, but it's going for the same markers, and I respect that about it. I really, really enjoyed it to the extent that I came out punching the air and seeing kung fu fighting, and that, that works for me. We had job done, well played. And on that note, we cue the music with the latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the On Screen Radio Show. We're back and we're about to get risen. So let's talk about risen. Oh, um, I wish that was a tagline. For that let's get risen. Let's get risen. So this is the latest from director Kevin Reynolds, who brought us Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Waterworld. There we are. Y- yeah, yeah. That, that's that. So one of those two films bears like, no resemblance. I, I know to that name from somewhere. Right. So this is the story of Tribute Clavius, a <laughs> Roman tribute. Clavius. Clavius. I don't mean like his first name's Tribute, like Jeff Clavius. I, I get it, yeah. yeah. Tribute Clavius. It's his yeah. title, and then he's this, this is not a name. It's just a tribute. It's, yeah. This is not the greatest Roman soldier in the world. This is just a tribute. And, uh, we are such nerds. Yeah, we, are. we really are. 
<laughs> so, Joseph Fiennes is the greatest Roman soldier in the world, or just a tribute, who is assigned by Pontius Pilate to investigate when the body of this crucified bloke who claims to be the Messiah randomly goes missing from a cave the next morning. Does this sound like a story you've heard before? A couple of times, once or twice. Once yeah. or twice. Well, I assure you, the rest of this story bears no resemblance to anything you've ever heard before. Here's a clip. Some ascetic, one of following by making waves to the Sanhedrin, decided to put him down. Sent a lathered mob here screaming for his blood because he claims to be their messiah. I had to crucify him. Don't give me that look. I've had enough already. I had a situation tribune, something you don't seem to understand. Soon the emperor arrives here and he expects to find order. Order! Take control out there and finish things. This has gone on long enough. And do this Nazarene a small mercy. Break his legs. Funnily enough, having your legs broken would actually be a lot more entertaining than sitting through Risen, which is actually a Christ movie so unfathomably dull mm. that by the end of it, it runs the risk of actually creating atheists. Order. <laughs> Order! <laughs> I really want him to work the, the, the window of the McDonald's drive through can I take your order? Who is that? <laughs> that is Peter Firth, a.k.a. Harry Pierce from Spooks. Fantastic. And he, believe me, he is the most fun thing about this film, and, and that's really saying something. This is a film so shockingly poor that the fact that it stars Tom Felton is not the worst thing about it. And, and anyone who saw The Apparition in 2012 will now be shuddering at the mere thought of that. This is unquestionably bad. Um, Joseph finds he's, he's doing what he can. However, this is a film that is just too ploddingly dull to be... Just not even dull, dumb. Just dumb. It's too dumb to be taken in any way seriously. Um, and at the same time, it's sugar-coated and saccharine to the extent that you can't even really take it as a so-bad-it's-good sort of a film. And that was my chair squeaking, I apologise. Right. So you can't really even take it seriously as a sort of so bad it's good kind of an affair. Mm. And what it feels like, it's like NCIS Jerusalem. <laughs> That's the best, best thing I can call it. Because it's like, the first half of it is like this procedural. It's like they took an episode of Gotham and swipped out the, switched out the, yeah. the Batman mythology for Jesus. Jesus. And <laughs> well, you, you don't actually see Jesus. You don't oh, see oh, no, 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 no. You, you see all of Jesus' bad guys. Hang on. No, no, you do see Jesus, oh, though, in this case. Not only do you see Jesus, Jesus is a speaking character in this movie. An actual speaking character with actual interactions with human beings. Okay. Which means someone got to sit down mm. and actually create dialogue for Christ. To which you think, you know what, fair enough, it's it's in English too. But he, and for the first time in a long time, he's actually played by someone with some ethnicity. So, like Willem Dafoe. It's Cliff Curtis. Oh, really? It is. Who oh, I, ch- I checked, he's Maori. From New right. Zealand, yeah, yeah. so yeah, so he's got some ethnicity for a change. It's not like Antonio Banderas, you know, anything like that, yeah. or, or you know, let's get Jim Caviezel because we need an Irish Catholic guy. <laughs> but uh, this is the sort of film that just genuinely so bad that at one point it has its character, and it's, it has its entire cast bunk off the plot for ten minutes to go fishing. That actually happens. There is actually a ten-minute sequence of this film in which the characters just bunk off the plot. It's like a fishing interval. They, they, there is a fishing interlude, a fishtalude, if you a will, fishtalude. <laughs> Right, it's coining it, it trademark. Yeah, there we are. This marks the sort of an unfortunate career low for Joseph Fiennes, which is very. This, sad. this is uh, uh, pre Michael Jackson 
This is pre-Michael Jackson, I know. Post-Shakespeare, pre-Jackson. Exactly. It's boring, it's patronising, it's silly, it's undeveloped, it makes a live-action version of A Star is Burns, or was A Star is Burns, A Burns for All Seasons. It makes that look like a genuinely inspired idea. (laughs) And it does all of this for what falls just short of two solid hours. And believe me, those are two bomb-numbing hours Really, just just by the end of it, there, there is a there is a just a numb chasm where your buttocks used to be, because this this film will just leave you feeling hollow inside, and you're hollow at the expense of an organised religion, which feels even more awful, really, if we're on hmm. about it, because you feel like I don't really want to slate the know, film because I'm, pretty, I'm worried I might incur apt. some wrath, yeah, and uh, wrath of an almost biblical level, <laughs> <laughs> not of Khan. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, this, it's a film that, that Satanists could use as recruitment material. <laughs> Genuinely. It, it's an ironic title. It's got it's risen. Risen. It's, it's just this ironic title for a film which is dead on arrival. This, this is literally, like, we'll wheel the corpse of this film before you, but we shall call it Risen. And no, no, the only thing that rises is you very quickly when the end credits come up. You shoot up out that chair and leg it from the building. So we're saying just leave it, leave it in the cave. Leave, leave it in the cave. Leave it. Don't, do not resurrect this Christ. No. So, <laughs> film news. <laughs> film news. Have you heard about Sharknado Four? Of course, Sharknado Four. He's going to star Gary Busey. Oh my God! This is the greatest news ever. He's playing Tara Reid's dad, I believe. Not only is he playing Tara Reid's dad, he's playing a scientist. Oh. Scientist Gary Busey. Excellent. Is, <laughs> has there ever been a greater sentence in the English language than? Gary Busey plays Tara Reid's scientist mm. father. That's amazing to me. Did you watch his reality show years ago? I can't say that. No, Gary Busey. This is how, this is how I, I I fell in love with Gary Busey. Yeah. Was in two thousand two, two thousand three. He he had a reality show called I'm with Busey, and fifty percent of it was fake and fifty percent of it was genuine. They would they would they had a guy Adam De La Pena who was self-proclaimed as Gary Busey's biggest fan, and he would follow Gary Busey around in a series of set-up kind mm-hmm. of plot lines, and they would just allow Gary Busey to just off-the-cuff improv the results. Just be Busey. And this this, this saw the creation yeah. of what are now referred to as Buseyisms. <laughs> and some of the things Gary Busey has come out with through this show, where they were... It lasted, I think, about 12 episodes in 2000, 2003. I, I have the lot. I'll show you yeah, them another I'll, time. I'll I mean, the very first episode has him eating oysters. And he, he tells his, his young ward that the trick to eating the oysters is to leave some sauce sauce on your chin so the other oysters know you appreciate them. And and this is and you know that's his genuine thing. That was a great and impression as that, well. That was a terrible I that impression. Was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> that was a terrible impression. But thank you. I appreciate your indulgence. So uh, speaking of indulgence, let's talk about High Rise, uh, which is the latest. <laughs> oh. The latest from Ben Wheatley. Uh, who the, who I, I'm a big fan. You're of. a big fan of. Um, I'm told he's the greatest director of all time by Sight and Sound magazine, and <laughs> really is. <laughs> I had a subscription to Sight and Sound for a year. Of course, of course you course bloody did. did. Of course, course you did. did. Anyway, (laughs) that just sums you up so totally. So Ben Wheatley has directed this adaptation, long gestating adaptation as well, of the J.G. Ballard novel of the same name. J.G. Ballard, whose works gave us Crash, the good one, not the racism one. Uh, The James Spader one, which automatically means it's the good one. So this has apparently been in development since the 70s. 
this since the novel actually came out, they've been trying to make a film of it. Ben Wheatley has now done it. Tom Hiddleston, central role as Robert Lang, a young, successful doctor who takes up residence in a fancy 1975 high-rise, which sort of looks bizarrely like the setting for the Dread reboot from a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, or, or The Raid. Or The Raid. Yeah. <laughs> more, more Dread, I oh, think. Yeah, it's it got the kind of shape. It's got it? that yeah. exact look of Dread. Um, and this is, you know, Thatcherite utopia would be the best way to call it. Um, however, the lower floors are residents are, are you know the residents of the sort of poorer working class people and the upper floors are would you not guess it home to the more affluent financially successful ones and what begins is an all-out class war which Robert Lang finds himself front and center for not necessarily forced to choose a side but really just forced to bear witness to in what can only be described as a full-on breakout of Caligulan anarchy. If you're thinking of taking your grievances to the top, I doubt you'll find much sympathy. You've met the architect? Hmm. One should pity him, really. Oh, one should, should one. Very magnanimous of you, I'm sure. Listen, you couldn't give me a lift at the television studios, could you? No, I'm sorry. Um... I can't seem to remember where I left my car. Funny. Neither can I. Well, there's a lot of subtext, there's a lot of mystery, there's a lot of hokum, a lot of hoo-ha going on, <laughs> and what you get is a film... Do you remember... Do you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? In fact, in the yeah. movie. Any any Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide. I've done both. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the pan-galactic gargle blaster, the drink. Yeah. Right, how it's described... Now, I've got it written down. It's like having your brain smashed in by a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick... That is the perfect way to describe High Rise, which is one musical number away from absolute lunacy. It is. I, I, I came out of it when this is like Fight Club, Clockwork Orange, and Southland Tales all rolled into one Cronenbergian package. It is just bonkers. But at the same time, though, it's not quite bonkers enough. It feels like, you feel like Ben Wheatley, who finally uh, finally earns his praise, I think, for me this time around. I'd said to you before we started, I think the Doctor Who episode was the best thing it's shot before this. I did not agree, but... Um, Obviously you don't. Um, This, this for me, is the new benchmark. This is, wow, what an uncompromising vision, except for that 5% of compromising that he does. And I feel like that really restrains it. What you want is the film to just throw caution to the wind and just go for that 100%. And what you get is 95. The problem is, having already gone that far, you've lost your mainstream audience straight away and you've gone really into the clockwork orange crowd. And the problem is, have you ever met a person that can genuinely say they enjoyed clockwork orange? I don't think anybody has ever enjoyed Clockwork Orange. They like Clockwork Orange. They respect Clockwork Orange. They admire Clockwork Orange. Nobody enjoys it. And High Rise is very much the same thing. Now, there's there's going to be two schools of thought on High Rise. There are going to be people like myself and you, and, and we will say, do you know what? It's a fantastic vision. It is an excellent movie. I I'm, I'm, I think it's a, a work of a, a completely, a completely cutting-edge, uncompromising, and wonderful work of British cinema. And then and the other people are going to be the people that come out and go, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, and literally, you will be one of those two people. That, that's people it. People being like, "What is Loki doing?" 
<laughs> what is Loki doing? Yeah. And there are moments in there, oh, because it is quite an upper crust affair as far as Tom Hiddleston mm. goes. It's a really you do, good cast. You do get the shades of Loki, and let's talk about that cast. Because you've got Hiddleston, you've got Sienna Miller, you've got Jeremy Irons, you've got <laughs> Keeley Hawes. Jeremy's you- Irons. Jeremy Zion. You've got Ree Shearsmith. You've got Elizabeth Moss, who's putting on an awful English accent, but you kind of get used to it. Yeah. And then you've even got an obligatory cameo by Neil Maskell because it's a Ben Wheatley film. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, Ben Wheatley, it's like, hey, Neil, you coming down? Cool, see you in an hour. You know, I'm pretty sure that's how this works. And this is the most imaginative British film we will see this year. There can't be anything close to this coming out of the British pipeline this year. It's simply impossible. You cannot get close to this. This is unflinching, except for that brief point when it does flinch. And I feel kind of sad about that in a very strange way. It's like a black-heartedly comedic snowpiercer in terms of how it explores the class system. It does so with just this gusto and just wanton lust for carnage is the best way I can describe it. It also, by the way, um, has a moment that I've, I've looked forward to for many years, which is, like Keith David and David Keith, I have always wanted to see the two Siennas in the same film. So here we actually get Sienna Miller and Sienna Guillory on screen at the same time. And you know what? Not quite as fun as David Keith and Keith David, but no. I'll take it. And uh, Sienna Miller, Sienna Guillory, sorry, does get for me what is the best line of the film, which is absolutely unrepeatable on radio. Oh, sorry, second best line after one that James Purefoy comes out with, which is also unrepeatable on radio. <laughs> and the problem is, this is a very, very hard edge film. Is it an eighteen? I, I think it was just a 15, I think it's it, a fifteen, maybe. and it it earns every every second of that. Yeah. Um, I just wish it wasn't quite denied the full one hundred percent lunacy that it wants. I really love the Caligulan and Nike to it, and that's the only way to describe it is Caligulan because we reach this stage of just rioting and orgies. <laughs> Best way to call it. It's rioting and orgies. It's just a standard Friday night. With with some with some naked Loki. And 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 yeah. I mean, as I said to you, the film has an awful lot of nudity, and yet it's the kind of film that's so it's just so deranged. You can't possibly find any of it titillating. It's a bit like American Psycho, I guess. Kind that, of yeah. kind of it's oh, yeah. like that, yeah. It's like I think the best way to describe it is it's, it's clockwork orange by way of videodrome passing through Snowpiercer Town. It's the best way to call it. it is like nothing you've really seen before. I mean, credit to Ben Wheatley, he has brought uh, you know a, a unique sense of life to J.G. Ballard's work. This this has, I think, a lot more charisma than Cronenberg's Crash, for example. Having said that, that was Cronenberg, and I do think that Cronenberg and Ben Wheatley are in two very different camps. For one thing, I, I genuinely like David Cronenberg, but um, it is. Oh, 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 I want to point out the the cover song as well. It has uh, it has uh, a cover of Abba's SOS by Portishead, oh, and that's amazing. It ta- and this is played out during one of these Caligulan anarchy yeah. scenes, <laughs> and it is just a stirring, moving, and emotionally wrought sequence at the heart of this film, which will terrify some people and frankly amuse the hell out of others it does have a very very patronising sting at the end where for some reason they they want to be really unsubtle about how they hearken it all back to Thatcher and they actually play one of Thatcher's speeches over the end you feel I feel like you kind of slap me in the face after patting me on the back and that, that that's a bit insulting uh, but other than that though I, I think people should see it maybe Possibly, and that's the problem <laughs> because it's fifty fifty. One of these days, you can give Ben Wheatley just a straight out and out compliment. <laughs> you, you you have a very nice name, Ben Wheatley. 
and 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 you you make Tom Hiddleston look lovely. Mm. And and thank you for giving James Purefoy and Sienna Guillory those two wonderful lines of dialogue, which I'm going to be doing every time I am inebriated for the rest of my life now. There you go, Ben. There you yeah. somewhat compliments. So I mean, that's the thing. It, it, it is it's a divisive film to the stage where I don't know whether or not to call it film of the week, and yeah. and that's that's very disconcerting. Well, for so, the sake of arguments, would you say Ten Cloverfield Lane? I think Ten Cloverfield Lane should be film of the week. Yeah. Um, although next week we're gonna have a bit more of an awkward one with that one. Yeah. Uh, next week, by the way, is gonna be the last one. We're having a week off after that. Mm. So next week and then a week off, and then we're back. But next week we are finally doing Zootropolis. Finally, biggest opening for an animated Disney film ever, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. We have My Big Fat Greek Wedding too, which uh, is is there a large audience for? I presume there must be. Uh, my fiance is really looking forward to it. We've got uh, Matty Shoes in uh, Disorder. <laughs> Matthias <laughs> Schoenarts in uh, in Disorder. Kristen Wiig in Welcome to Me, which I think we both saw ages ago, didn't we? Like at least eight months ago. At least eight months ago. Yeah. We've got the documentary Speed Sisters. This sounds interesting. This is about uh, this is about the uh, the the female car racing team, oh. which is is going to be interesting and how they are a force for change. And it's the clash of the titans: Batman v Superman. Dawn of Justice is finally upon us next week. I've, I've heard good things. Have you heard good things? Mm. I've heard nothing because they have locked it down in what seems like a state of panic. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that one let's, turns out. Let's see. So we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. This has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras time, Mr. Allen. So let's really burn off all that film news that we didn't quite get to cover. Yeah, because we have quite a bit. Quite a it's bit. Quite a um, Michael Keaton's got a new franchise. Have you heard about this? Yeah, he does, yeah. American uh, Assassin. What a great title. <laughs> I feel like that should start Chuck Norris with that title. Yeah, should be one of his like, early yeah. 80s. Like American Ninja. And it actually was one of his, wasn't it? American Ninja is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Michael Keaton has signed up to play the mentor role in what Lionsgate are hoping is a new a franchise. Uh, yeah, and this is, this is called American Assassin. Assassin, and uh, this, this is like one character who's gone on to be in 13 books. He's basically like a Jack Bauer movie, basically. Yeah. That's kind of what they're going for. He's, uh, you know, he's a counter-terrorism agent who becomes a CIA or NSA-type spy. Yeah. It's kind of like Jack Bauer and also Jack Reacher. Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. like that, yeah. Uh, meanwhile... Two, two, two Jacks, total, total Jack-off. Total Jack-off. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best joke in Zoolander 2, though. You know though. it really was? It really was. You uh, watched the whole film, uh, other than the Kiefer Sutherland performance, which was just immense yeah. and genuinely wanted made you move, to, move you to tears kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so there's this, this film I'm, <laughs> yeah. re- I'm really what's excited this, about. This? this is a film called The Discovery. Hmm. Right, have you, have you heard of this talk? No, I don't think so. So this is from Charlie McDowell. This is, this is the story of a world in... Uh, this, this takes place... Two years after scientists have scientifically proven the existence of the afterlife. And this discovery has resulted in mass suicides by people who basically now, because they know there's an afterlife, just want to get there. Have a reset button, effectively. Yeah. So, you know, I don't like my life. Oh, I'll just pass me the nail gun and I'll reset. And, and that's it. And what you've now got is this great bit of casting where Robert Redford has been cast as the guy who discovers the afterlife. And Jason Siegel has been cast as his son. And then, as if that wasn't enough, 
Rooney Mara will be playing Jason Siegel's love interest. It's called All the... of that. That's it amazing. Sounds good, doesn't who, it? Who is making it? Charlie McDowell. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Find you find out you find out yeah. while I tell you about Scott Cooper's Hostiles, which we've been talking about for a little while. Mm. Do you know the plot of this one? Uh, no, but I'm I am not a Scott. You're Cooper so fan. over. Scott Cooper, aren't I've you? never been under Scott Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I've, ne- I've never been. You've a fan. never been under him. Yeah. Uh, right. So this is this is Scott Cooper's next one. This is going to be sort of a western. This is where Christian Bale is going to play a legendary army captain who must put aside his prejudices in order to escort uh, an Indian chief to his reservation, for, uh, a terminally ill chief to his reservation, I believe. And uh, along the way, they are attacked by hostiles. Hence the title. Uh, Rosamund Pike has joined the cast now. Oh. As as a as, as a mysterious widow, so widow, widow. so what else we got coming up? Oh oh, did we talk about Jake Johnson last week? We didn't, didn't talk about this one. I don't. F- oh maybe is it is it the the, the mummy? mummy? Yeah, yeah, Jake Johnson yeah, oh, has signed up to be in the mummy. I'm not um, sure if we talked about it, but let's talk about. Well, it now. the thing is though, it's going to be set in the present day. And and it's going to be sort of and Tom Cruise apparently is going to be like a special forces soldier and Jake Johnson is going to be a military character in a role that has been specifically written for him. So given that it's universal again as well, I'm hoping it's going to be Jake Johnson sat at a computer screen with like a, a big gulp and a mummy 1999 totally. T-shirt. It's going to have Brendan Fraser yeah. right so on his Hey, you remember that thing in like 1928? That was legit. I mean, look, the CGI isn't as bad as the Scorpion King. That's yeah. what it's going to be. Just go meta with it. Yeah. Uh, Annabelle Wallace from Annabelle is going to be in it as well. Huh. So she's was, was somebody actually called Annabelle in Annabelle? Yeah, the lead actress of Annabelle was named Named Annabelle. Strange. Serious thing. It's like finding out the guy playing Buddy is actually Buddy. But, uh, okay, so um, Bella Thorne and Halston Sage are to team up. Now, Bella Thorne, I think everyone knows because of the, the films. Was she, like, was she, in the she was in The Duff, she was in Blended, uh, yeah. Scream, the TV series, things like that. Oh, People seem to know Bella yeah. Thorne. They don't seem to know Halston Sage, though, which I think is, is a shame because I do think she's like a younger Rachel McAdams. And and in my fantasy big budget remake of Buffy, she'd be Buffy. Um, but then again, I'd also have Ariel can, Winter as well. Out, yeah. out, out of Ariel Winter as Willow as well. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's my that's big. Pretty, that's my big screen. But when they keep talking about a big budget Buffy reboot, that's what I'm picturing. That's what you do. Yeah. But yeah, so Bella Thorne, Halston says they're going to team up for what basically sounds like the teen version of Fatal Attraction. It's called You Get Me. And and yeah, I'm kind of cool about that. But uh, Holston Sage is going to be the good girl, Bella Thorne, the psycho. So yeah, okay, I can kind of see that one. Uh, Halle Berry, you must have heard this. Oh, Catwoman. Yeah, Catwoman herself yeah. is going to be the head of the CIA in the Kingsman, Kingsman sequel. Here's where it gets interesting. That's for two films. That's yeah. a two film contract. So they're going to do a, a trifecta. They're going to do a, a, a trifecta. Kingsman three. <laughs> oh no, it's man, isn't it? King's man. man. Yeah. yeah, okay. You could, you could do like the S word, it's a free, but that uh, would maybe. Just be ridiculous. It's quite possible. It's ridiculous as, as that bloody tack free in anyway. Okay, my my, my, my final one, my, my absolute favourite, um, is, is this one, which is that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are uh, teaming up to produce a live action Where's Waldo movie. <laughs> Which I think is amazing. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, he's, apparently he's going to be a scientific genius. Hmm. So it kind of sounds a bit like a Lord and Miller project, a little bit. Does a little bit, like, but yeah. I, I think Seth Rogen, Evan, uh, Seth Rogen, and Evan Goldberg are kind of the poor man's <laughs> in, Lord and Chris in, Miller in a way. Well, that that, the, tra- that the second that, tier. That, um, there was a new trailer for uh, Sausage Party. It just dropped. Right. I, I, I know yeah. it's out. I haven't seen it. I, I've been told uh, I should be sat down when I see it because, yeah. yeah. 
Watch it after this. There's, there's like five brand new trailers that we should watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, today yeah. we had uh, Now You See Me 2. Uh, ben we Hur. had uh, Ben Hur. Uh, Central Intelligence, which I thought was yeah, great. Course, yeah. I, I had a good time watching that one. And, yeah, there's just some interesting stuff out there. And, of course, you know, there's last week's Civil War trailer, which I've just been watching on loop. Yeah, me too. And, uh, oh, man. Yeah. Under Ruse! Yeah, if you've not seen that trailer, by the way, we have our first look at Spider-Man. And it's, do you know what? It kind of works for me. Like, it's a little bit more traditional. It really works for me. I've, yeah. I've always said I've never been a fan of Spider-Man. I have not really liked any of the films. I Have you not? I, I really like Spider-Man 2 more for Doc Ock. I was going to say, yeah. how did you not like Spider-Man 2? Because for me, Spider-Man 2 is, is, is almost a, a, a perfect Spider-Man movie. I think it's a fantastic it's movie. A, it's, it's a fantastic superhero film, yeah. Mm. But just as a character, I've never been that big into Spidey. However, when I saw Spidey show up in the Civil War trailer, you were like, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was just dead excited, which yeah. I've never had before from seeing Spidey in film. That's fair so, enough, fair enough. Yeah. I, so you had the opposite of what I call the Emma Stone effect, which is I want out of this. Yeah, and, and this is this is just neck breakingly poor. And yeah, so what are you looking at? What have we found from it? Um, Charlie McDowell. Charlie McDowell. This is not going to be interesting for anyone except is this, for me. I've just, I've just noticed the poster on your screen. Yeah. Yeah. The one I love? The one I love. Yeah. He with... he, he wrote and uh, was also the director. Oh, right. That, that, now, that was the one with Elizabeth Moss and the guy who looks like John Oliver. Duplass. Duplass, that's... Yeah, they, they play a couple that are having some pretty uh, like uh, uh, rough times. Go to see a counsellor. Counsellor's played by, uh, by Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Yeah, Ted Danson says, why don't you go stay in my villa, go have like a nice long weekend, see if you can work some things out. Things aren't what they seem in the villa. Okay. Was it like like sliver style? Was it like cameras everywhere? Not as seedy as that, but things things go on. I I actually actually have the films. I might watch it later. You should watch it. I think I I will somehow. Mm. But uh, thank you. I I feel like I've gone away with homework now. (laughs) Watch watch trailers. Watch the one I love. (laughs) Watch the trailers. Watch the one I love. It's like, go and check out the Civil War trailer because that is just, that's the bomb. That's it. That is the bomb. And under rules, you know, it's a whole thing. And yeah. And also, I really want Iron Man's watch. Of course you do. I, I really do. You've, you've got all of his sunglasses already. I, I do. I really yeah. do. Like the, 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 <laughs> amount, no the amount of Iron Man merchandise I own is, is we are just, just in this room. We 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 are using arc reactor coasters, <laughs> literally LED that, arc reactor coasters up, yeah. that light up. Yeah, um, because I am an obsessive dweeb. I'm, I'm I'm seeing how many Iron Men I can count. I, Iron Men you can count in this office. One, okay, two. I'm <laughs> counting that. That's three. Just three things. Just just three. Oh, there's the Avengers Blu-ray there as well, oh, like, yeah. under the Ant-Man one. Under Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah. I need, I need to tidy this off. <laughs> uh, so, right. So, yes, yeah, so there's some good, there's some good stuff to, to check out, oh, trailer-wise. Really? But uh, alas, that is all until next week when mm. we discuss another superhero film. Which, do you have high hopes for Superman, Batman, Superman? I've got hopes, but not high ones. I, I don't, I don't hate Man of Steel as much as some other. People. I'll be really honest. So, I'm, I'm expecting the worst, which. I, I think my low expectations. I just want my low expectations to be met, and yeah. I don't, that's not going to be difficult. I think what's going to happen. I think Batfleck is going to be great. I think Henry Cavill is still going to be fine. I it's think he'll be fine. Was a fine Superman I except for the next nap. And that I'm going to get pretty severe earache after watching the film because it's going to be so ear beatingly loud. Oh yeah, for two and a half hours. Yeah. But on which note, here it is, your moment of cage. Oh, Kevin, this might not make you feel better, but don't you see? That's what she was there for. That was the plan, to give you a boner. (laughs) And you got one. Congratulations, you're human. Come on, Rick. Look on the bright side. I like you better.